Love it. Absolutely love it. And we are back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chewing the Fat. Welcome once again. I am your host, Johnny, as you know. I have a very special guest this week. Um, this week's episode, we are going to be interviewing and learning the ins and outs of what it is like to be a sex worker. Now, I know that everyone has their own definition of the term and expectations and reality. So we're going to hear it from the horse's mouth. I have a lovely lady with me today. Um, we're going to call her Ashley for anonymity's sake. And um, Ashley, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, tell us a little bit about your background, your past. Just give us an insight into, into the world of who you are. Well, like, what was it like, like without being too specific, what was it like, like growing up? Like what obviously led you or attracted you to this world that you're now a part of? So I'll say that I've, I've been in the adult entertainment industry mm -hmm. uh, from about 2005. Okay. Um, perhaps a little bit before then, but let's say ballpark around 2005. Um, I did previously have a background in customer service and hospitality, mm -hmm. um, and uh, I have explored a myriad of uh, you know different types of sex work, from erotic massage to stripping uh, to escorting, companionship. Mm -hmm. That's my most recent endeavor, um, and then also with the pandemic, I chose to start up an OnlyFans account, mm -hmm. and so I am doing adult film and entertainment uh, via that platform the, as well. So content, adult content on, on all yeah, the plans on that Yeah, adult platform. content creator. And do you, like, I mean, it's your career. Would you call it your career as adult entertainment? At this point, yes. At this point, <laughs> so you love, you would actually say that you love what you do. Yeah, yeah. See, that's, I think it's very important. I think people need to like their jobs, but you should love your career. So I always enjoy hearing when someone says, like, I love, I gotta love what I do. I love what I do. I think it's so, yeah. I think it's so important. Now, people out there listening, they have this connotation of what sex work is. They don't really understand the amount of dedication, um, the hard work, the mental strain, the physical strain mm -hmm. on your body that, that goes with it. I used to date, I was in a relationship with a sex worker uh, years ago back home in Ottawa and I mean un it was unbeknownst to me I didn't find out until a few months into the relationship there were some some not even some red flags but there were some hints that that's what she was doing but either either I was in denial or I just didn't pick up on them mm -hmm. and then eventually I found out and I mean I wasn't I wasn't upset it wasn't that I was mad at her I was mad that she wasn't honest about it right and I think that whether or not she was ashamed or whether or not she was just trying to protect me or she, that she, she thought I would be upset. I think a lot of people, um, if they've never if directly worked with someone or been involved with someone who is in sex work, they just have no idea about that world. Yeah. And yeah. I think, unfortunately, there is a large stigma in our society both with second careers mm -hmm. um, or even pursuing education and then also in your personal relationships, whether that's with your own family members or with like potential sexual partners, etc. Mm -hmm. There's just such a huge amount of stigma that goes into being in, like a part of the industry. So it's yeah. definitely hard for a lot of workers to divulge that. So, okay. So 
do you think that stems from like legitimate, like legitimate shame or legitimate fear? Like, why do you think is it so hard? Because we all know, like, everyone loves sex. Everyone yeah. loves sex. I mean, <laughs> there's, you know, like as as a guy, especially, like, I love I love watching porn. Like, I love porn. Mm-hmm. Everything, but porn is fucking amazing. But then on the other side of it, it's just like, oh, I love porn, but I could never date a girl that did porn. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. make it doesn't make any sense to me. The classic irony. Yeah, exactly. It it's just or like guys will go to strip clubs, mm-hmm. love strip clubs, but oh, I can never date a stripper. I can never date a stripper. It's like what? Yeah, like, what? Why? The, why? Like I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it at all i think it's i think it's extremely empowering and i've never understood the the judgment and like we keep using the word stigma behind it so mm-hmm. i mean what's your take on it you're in the industry i mean why do you why do you think there is such a stigma is it lack of understanding is it is it uh, lack of self-confidence is it shame like i mean what why do people have such a, a such an issue with it it's really hard to pinpoint you know, down, down to one specific reason. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it, a lot of it is sort of the, the cultural narrative that we're sold, um, and advertised to all the time that really promotes this Disney fairy tale marriage, monogamy, children, you know, and that that's really so incorporated into our society as a whole. Uh, not so much in Canada, but more so in the U.S. Obviously, they have more legal issues with uh, the adult entertainment industry in terms of outlawing prostitution, um, aside from maybe a couple brothels in Nevada. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a fully illegal activity there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and like there, it's actually a problem for Canadian sex workers. So just so the audience knows, prostitution is legal in Canada mm-hmm. um, to an extent. Okay. Like we have what they consider the Nordic model. So technically as a, a worker, as a provider, you are allowed to provide those services. It's to consenting adults, you know, a majority age. Mm-hmm. What goes on behind closed doors is their business. Mm-hmm. But technically in Canada, it's illegal for a client to purchase sexual services. So there's a, there is, you know, there's, there's freedom, but it's freedom with limitation. Is that why, is that why, so you, you know, you'll go to a, you'll go to a spa and there's a door fee. Like, so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure exactly what that means when you're saying that they can't purchase sexual favors or they can't purchase sex. But I mean, so it's, both parties know what this encounter is for. Yeah, and that's why you have a lot of like a lot of Canadian workers now are pushing for not necessarily legalization, but for decriminalization. Yeah, um, just to kind of come back to around like the the stigma part of it. I I do think that it being illegal in the U.S. also, um, and maybe they have a more religious based like country maybe yeah. in Canada in terms of like really promoting Christianity and, and things like that. Um, that also um, promotes the idea that it's, it's a wrongful behavior, mm-hmm. you know, that sexuality well, it, exactly. in general is It's wrong. illegal, so it must be bad. Or sexuality it's bad, so it must be illegal. Yeah. bad, but man, add a dollar amount to it and boy, that's really bad, yeah. <laughs> you know? Which is so ironic because yeah. the porn industry is a multi- 
billion dollar industry. Yeah. Every single year, like millions and millions and billions of dollars are being made off of sex. Mm -hmm. So on the small scale of things, which let's say escorting prostitution to make that illegal, but to have companies like, I don't know, Brazzers and Red Velvet and yeah. all these, these massive conglomerates and to have like porn awards and to have all these grandiose fucking rich things. Um, I just, it doesn't make any sense to me why on the small scale and like for the people who could be profiting only for themselves, uh-huh. why that is illegal. Yeah. It just, it just does, it doesn't make any sense to me. Maybe it's because I don't have that stigma. Like I don't look at, at sex work as being something negative. I don't look at it as being something dirty. Yeah. I know a lot of people do. So, I mean, I, I get their view of it, but for me, and I would hope for most evolved human beings, they would look at the situation like this doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. I think somehow the, the porn industry is able to uh, manipulate the laws or they, they know how to kind of get around whatever laws that it's, it's considered a part of the film industry and that's how they're able to, you know, and there's yeah, but that's forms such... that you have to fill out and, um, you know, they go through their own things <clears throat> with, with testing and agencies and all of that kind of thing. But it's definitely a double standard. Absolutely. That, to my point of view, absolutely doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's yeah. And I mean, when you're talking about these massive agencies and all the all this legal red tape and all this kind of stuff, these performers um, are so well insured mm-hmm. and protected and looked after, and their health, both mental and physical, I would assume is put at a high priority. Yet, um, some of the people, such as yourself, who are working for themselves or who are working for a, a small company, a very small company, you have to look after your own health. You have to look after mm-hmm. your own safety. Like you don't necessarily know the clients you're going to be seeing. Like yeah. it's you. Like you have much less safety and much less protection. Mm-hmm. But yet, it's you guys that are considered like the things that are, are going on are considered to be illegal or frowned upon. Yeah. Which is, which is fucking wild. Yeah. So you, so give me some of your thoughts on working for yourself, working freelance versus working for, for a company. Mm -hmm. Like, give me some of the pros, some of the cons, the differences. Like, I mean, educate me. (laughs) So in terms of where I started in the massage parlor industry, erotic massage, um, Back when I started, there there weren't quite as many, um, and now it's real it's really blossomed um, yeah. into quite the industry. Um, sorry, I just forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> I just forgot the question. No, it's a freelance My, versus oh, free, yeah. like freelance yeah. versus agency. Yeah. So working at the spa, um, you know, like certain cities like Mississauga, Brampton. So you have to be licensed by the city okay. in order to operate. Your spa does or you as an individual? Both. Both? Yeah. Okay. So to, to be fully above board, um, you know, you would want to acquire a license from, say, city of Mississauga, city of Brampton. It's it's actually no different than getting, say, a taxi driver license. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds, You go down to City yeah. Hall, you get your criminal record check, um, you know, wow. to make sure that you don't have anything any priors or outstanding warrants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 
and then uh, you do get a medical clearance from a doctor um, and then you would take that to the business uh, which is also licensed by the city mm -hmm. um, and then you would be technically you're an independent contractor yeah. working at that facility yeah yeah and so in terms of offering uh, erotic massage um, at a licensed establishment that that would be the route one would go okay um, in terms of being an escort or companion you have the option to either be an independent worker or to work through an agency yeah yeah so when you're working for an agency, um, like what's the like, what exactly do they do for you? Do they provide you with a, a client list? Do they provide you with transportation? Do they provide you with protection? Like, what's the what's the appeal? Yeah. Why would someone who is working just on their own, why would they be tempted or leaning towards working with an agency? Yeah. So. Um, because I, I had my background in erotic massage and I had contemplated um, becoming an escort or companion mm -hmm. at some point and then it kind of, I was able to transition seamlessly because of COVID and different, you know, changes in the business models for massage parlors. Um, and I really, I thought long and hard about my decision to yeah. become an escort and then which avenue do you choose? Um, and for myself, I felt that going with an established agency, especially at this sort of time of uncertainty, mm -hmm. uh, would be the best route. There, there perhaps is more freedom when you're an independent um, in terms of making your own schedule um, or you know creating your own website, your own photo shoots, things like that in order to brand and market yourself. Um, I really love the agency that I'm currently with because they also give me a lot of flexibility. But the benefits for working for an agency would be that you have a driver who picks you up, drops you off to your appointments, helps you coordinate timings with the clients. Okay. Um, they also provide an element of safety because safety is obviously paramount. Um, Absolutely. You know, the, the reality is that you, you are meeting a complete stranger and in your majority most of the time and you're vulnerable in a, state you're in a vulnerable state yeah. you know they're also you know if they're in that <laughs> mindset where they're extremely sexually aroused they're also you know potentially in somewhat of a vulnerable state yeah um you know so the agency they have their own roster of clientele that are that are loyal clients with them and they provide me with not only photo shoots branding marketing um, I have my own creativity in terms of the services that I'm able to offer. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not it's not just a standard, we'll say like sexual experience in terms yeah. of penis, vagina, intercourse, yeah. blowjob, and that's that. Yeah, and know? we both know that the spectrum there is so much out there. Huge there spectrum. are so <laughs> many things that people are into, yourself included, myself included. Everyone likes something different. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny that you're saying like the, the menu or the different services because a lot of people out there are going like, well, what do you mean? I thought people just pay for sex. No. It's, there is so much more to it. There's so much more to it. Yeah. Like for example, I had a client last night and we stayed multiple hours together. And to be honest with you, like the, the sex part was a very small and part yeah. part of our encounter yeah. most of it was exactly what we are doing right yeah. now having a conversation yeah. bonding over you know shared lifestyle choices places we've traveled to things like that and i think that's 
that's one thing that I'm really enjoying about the companionship mm -hmm. aspect of the adult industry is the variety of clientele and experiences that I'm able to have now. I feel like I'm I'm growing more as a human being. As a human being, as a provider, you know, at, with my one-on-one -on -one, like human connection. That's yeah. so like I mean and I can I can attest to that because way back when when I found out my partner at the time that she was she was a sex worker it was obviously all these questions came flooding out yeah. I was like blah 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 and then she would tell me about the companionship and she would say the exact same thing like mm -hmm. the very small part of it is the actual sex a lot of people just want someone to talk to yeah just to share stories or to share fears or things they don't they don't feel that they can talk to anyone else about think about a therapist for mm -hmm. example you pay you're paying a stranger hundreds of dollars an hour mm -hmm. to listen to your life and yeah. to listen to your fears and your problems and you are in one of your most vulnerable states pouring this out to a stranger mm -hmm. how is that any fucking different <laughs> it's, it's not, not really like you know some people say like oh how can you do what you do? You know, again, the stigma, the, the, the curiosity, the negativity. But I kind of look at it as, you know, like when you when you really embrace being in the adult industry, you realize that, you know, and not that I'm a, a trained therapist by mm. any stretch of the imagination, but mm. I view it, it's a therapeutic experience. Um, you know, it's a fantasy experience. Mm -hmm. It's very much a mental and physical stimulation experience. You know, Absolutely. you're kind when you're a sex worker in this capacity, you're kind of a, a combination of, you know, a therapist, a nurse, an actress, a wife, a, a model, girlfriend, a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So a for friend, me, a friend and a friend. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know, I, I kind of like being a bit of a shapeshifter mm -hmm. and you know, I really try and like mold my sessions into what my clients' preferences are and their personality style, you know? So I, I just find that really fascinating. I just think that would be that would be a massive part of the allure because I mean once you I think it takes a lot for someone to accept their sexuality mm -hmm. and for someone to really take pride in it and for someone to own who they are sexually yeah. and to have that confidence. And when you can take that and put it into uh, a scenario where you are in control, mm -hmm. you feel safe, you'll feel confident, you're making good money and you can have a positive impact on another human being's life. Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. That's one of the few things that I still enjoy about bartending. Mm -hmm. is like you you mentioned the word therapist like no we're not trained therapists but we are paid to be present with these people mm -hmm. to listen to give our two cents or to shut the fuck up and do whatever they want yeah. like it's we are there to provide a service to help people not necessarily just for their physical or sexual health but also for their mental health yeah and it's no different in that regard from being a bartender uh, a therapist, a sex worker, a counselor, mm -hmm. uh, a fucking friend. Yeah, like it, watching it's, an actor on stage, yeah, you're able to yeah. watch them and escape into that fantasy. That performance, into that, that beautiful performance. performance. Yeah. That's so, it's like, I mean, I'm hoping everyone out there listening can at least understand, um, understand that and understand that regard as to the approach. 
to to sex work and the performance and the experience. Like I, you know, I I mean they they do say you know you'll you'll read these memes and quotes online and stuff, right? That says. Nobody ever grew up wanting to be a sex worker、oh、or a hooker,、God. or no dad wants his daughter up on stage like a stripper. You know,、um, like and and I'll be honest, when I you know growing up as a child, like I didn't know what I wanted to be when、mm-hmm. I grew up, so to speak, right?、Um, you know, but I did know that I desired a life that was lucrative,、mm-hmm. where I had a lot of autonomy, where I had personal freedom. Um, you know where I could really live in my physical body in some capacity because、mm-hmm. I'm just a very physical person.、Mm-hmm. You know I love to dance, I love to work out,、yeah. um, and I'm a very sexual person.、Yeah. So you know, and and it has taken the evolution of this to have me fully embrace those parts of myself.、Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's definitely something that I'm very very happy with. That's it's so good to hear. Um, it takes a lot as a human being to to evolve、mm-hmm. and to really take the different parts of you and dissect them and understand them and be like lay it out like this is who I am.、Mm-hmm. I, I can only be me. I might as well embrace it. Yeah. And a big part of humanity, human beings. Individuals or society is sex and sexuality. Well, yeah. So to stifle it and to put all these negative connotations on it just does not make any sense. You're essentially suppressing a massive part of what it is to be human. Yeah, of the human experience. Yeah, and it and it it's literally just as important as food, absolutely, air, shelter.、Is. Like we are biologically programmed to. To procreate, to have sex, procreate,、yeah. to reproduce, to you know, we're visual creatures. Yeah,、um, exactly. We like shiny you know, things. And it, we're attracted to pretty people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and another part of the whole irony is that it, we sexualize so much in、mm-hmm. our culture.、Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to actually paying for sex, yeah, there's a massive stigma, huge taboo. There is a huge taboo, you know, and it's. Uh, something I heard recently was female sexuality is fantastic until you put put it behind a paywall. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's like we it's、so、we want women to be these sexual creatures, you know, and then we, you know, we we crucify them when they say, you know what, I deserve to make some money off of my Abs- sexuality, yeah, my personality. The emotional labor that I provide to the people in my life, you know, it's you're you're completely right. It's just it's it becomes this like you know like when you slam on the brakes hard and you're just like everything the world stops or like when you walk into the party and like the record player stops and music stops and the whole room freezes like pay, paying for it. What do you mean I got to pay for? Yeah,、it? yeah. You pay for everything else. Yeah, you literally pay for it. Like nothing in this world is free. Nothing, is nothing free. in this fucking、That's、world is free. Like, yeah, nothing is free. Like there is always, there is always like a, a relationship of some sort where it's a transaction.、Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not you know you're two people meeting off Tinder and you go to Applebee's and you know you have your mozzarella sticks and then you go <laughs> fuck afterwards. Yeah, there's it's a, there's a transaction that, of some look, sort. How、right? is that、yeah. less transactional than? Somebody contacting me and say like, 
wow, you have a cool personality. I think you're attractive. Would love to have a sexual experience yeah. with you. Essentially, it's like it's 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 you're beating around the bush. You're cutting you're cutting to the story. You're not beating around the bush. You're cutting to the chase. Yeah. It's and I mean people. It goes back to people being uh, afraid of of their sexuality and not having this confidence and and sex and sexuality we're putting under this negative scope. It's mm -hmm. like if the whole premise of me taking this person on a date is to have sex with them, yeah. then how is it any different than just, okay, we'll put the date aside. We can still have the conversation and we can still have the sex, mm -hmm. but we don't have to do the two or three hours beforehand. Like, yeah. why don't I just give you the money now and then we can have the experience that I essentially was looking for yeah. and B, you were willing to provide. There is an honesty in sex work mm -hmm. that I don't see in other traditional dating, yeah. you know, methods, yeah. right? Like the hookup culture, yeah. um, you know, like exactly. There's just an honesty to the transaction that I think is, is wonderful, you know, whether is, you're single, yeah. whether people are married, attached, things like that. Now, is that what attracted you to sex work? The, the honesty, like, I mean, obviously a big part of it was the money, but was it the, like, the honesty, like, cutting through the bullshit? Like, what was it about sex work that back in 2005 when you said you, you really got into the industry, what was yeah. it that you're like, you know what, this is this is something I want to do? So, so growing up, I mean, I would say that I grew up in um, a very sexually liberated household. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't, you know, I didn't have any elements of shame with regard to nudity, um, you know, or sexuality. Um, you know, I, I could say that perhaps I was exposed to a bit too much too early mm -hmm. in terms of like, like, you know, pornography, um, you know, or gosh, classic movies like Flashdance, right? Yeah. <laughs> like Flashdance, Pretty Woman. Yeah. There were certain things, you know, that definitely um, were kind of maybe like a little, that I was introduced to prematurely. Mm -hmm. Well, lot, sexual yeah. undertones, yeah, like sexual liberating undertones. sexual undertones, yeah. like Pretty Woman, especially with Julia Roberts, like just, she was owning, she was, she was a hooker. She was she a owning hooker. Her, owning her worker. shit, exactly. Yeah. And okay, so I mean, those undertones, yeah, but I mean, that's how move. That's fucking how movies were in the eighties yeah. and nineties, right? They were yeah, just like yeah. we, we didn't like we didn't know what was going to be considered politically correct, no. politically incorrect, right? So I mean, but I, you know what's hilarious, and I mean, it's coming up on Halloween, so I, you know, all these memories are kind of coming back when I think about these movies. But and I don't even think as a child I knew what it was, but I remember asking my mother if I could have a pair of like bright red high-heeled stilettos because mm -hmm. I wanted to be a hooker for yeah. Halloween. Yes, yeah, and you don't even, yeah, because you're, you're Leggings. Kid. Yeah. And I didn't really know that what that was, but I think, you know, I probably watched Flashdance and there was this element of like glamour and beauty, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I grew up in two separate households with my, my mother and father, you yeah. know? Um, so especially my mom was, uh, we lived poor. Uh, we didn't have have money like we we were on food stamps welfare mm -hmm. uh that kind of that kind of an upbringing so you know and i she didn't have an active dating life while i lived with her um so i think to see movies like flash dance 
where these women are empowered and they they have money and freedom and flexibility. But I think that definitely influenced me yeah. growing up. Um, like I said, I had been working in hospitality. I lost my job. And at the time, uh, around 2004, 2005, I befriended a girl that I didn't know she worked in the adult industry. Okay. But I would see her with our mutual friends and I thought, wow, like she's just, she knows how to talk to men and she is the life of the party mm -hmm. and she gets attention mm -hmm. and it looks like she can buy whatever she wants mm -hmm. for herself. You know, she drove a cool little car that was like this fast race car. Um, and for myself growing up, like I, I was always very, uh, you know, I was in tune with my sexuality, but a high introvert. I was the friend of the pretty popular girl who got all the dates, who got all the boyfriends, you know, and I, I really, I, I just wasn't secure in myself, um, you know, to really embrace dating and being very, very social and outgoing. Right. And so I saw this girl and I was, you know, and I kind of got to know her and I was looking for work and she said, you know what? Like I, like I can tell you, I work in a massage parlor. Like, is that something that would interest you? Mm -hmm. You know, she was like, you, like you have this potential that's untapped, you know, and you can really kind of change your life mm -hmm. in a positive way if you're unsure of what you want to do. So she was the, the one that saw the light in you. Obviously you were yeah. curious and she saw this little spark in you and she was the catalyst. Yeah. Like she was the one who, who started to bring you in the industry. Yeah. A mutual friends um, and one of those girls, I knew she was a dancer. Okay. And so I had talked to this girl about potentially becoming a stripper. Um, and then the other girl intervened, she, like we, cause we were all kind of chatting and, and she's the one who said, you know, you just really seem like you have more of an introverted personality. She um, said this about you? Yeah. Okay. She was able to read that from me. Right. Um, despite us not knowing each other really well at the time. But she said, you know, like, Strip clubs, it can be a very chaotic environment, mm -hmm. you know, depending on your personality, you really have to be very outgoing yeah. and you really got to hustle. I've heard, yeah, I've heard that like the girls who survive, the girls who, who profit at the strip club are the fucking hustlers. Yeah. Are the ones like you can't be a wallflower stripper. No. You can't sit back and wait because a lot of guys that go to strip clubs aren't the guys at Pervro like woo like into it they'll reach and grab it and a lot of these guys are they're like they're quiet yeah. like they they are they are to be approached mm -hmm. they're not going to come to you like you're a gorgeous three-quarter naked woman like uh -huh. in high heels makeup fucking gorgeous like these are already a lot of a lot of situations insecure men yeah and or or beta or sub whatever you want to call them so they're not going to be willing to fucking go up to you. So yeah. you have to go up to them. So you can't be necessarily an introverted stripper. It's not going to be necessarily no. a successful stripper. No, so she saw exactly. that. Yeah. Okay. And she also knew that I wasn't, I wasn't much of a drinker either, yeah. you know, and that, that really is a, a large part of like the culture of, of any hospitality yeah. club work, right? Like the drinking, the partying. It comes part and parcel. Yeah. 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 So she saw that and she said, you know, I work at this legal establishment. Why don't you check it out, you know, and it kind of, it went from there. Mm -hmm. 
Now, wow. So what was it like? You don't have to go into, into too much detail, obviously, for privacy's sake. But mm-hmm. what was it like your first? Like, you must remember mm-hmm. your first. You Everyone was, remembers was, their first. Everyone remembers their first. Yeah. What's hilarious about my first, I still have, I can kind of see his face like, a little bit blurry, you know, yeah. in, in my head. But he had never been to a massage parlor before. And you had never massaged. And I had never massaged anyone before. Yeah. And so I think he was more nervous than I was. You know, yeah. I, I kind of got to fake it till you make it. So yeah, exactly. You know, I walked in there with my my fake confidence. Yeah, and just like, mm, hi. I've done this a million times, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he was shaking like a leaf. Oh, oh he was so guy. nervous. Yeah. But it was it was a fantastic experience, you know? Like I I got to meet women that I would never have otherwise met, mm-hmm. you know, um, in a very interesting capacity. Um, you know, and I, I remember the first, I don't remember how many other clients I had that day, but I remember leaving with this fat wallet of money and mm-hmm. just thinking, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I got paid to embrace my body and my sexuality and I made other people happy. I made them smile. I mm-hmm. made them feel comforted. I made them feel relaxed. You know, um, they can go about their day and have the best day ever. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? After, yeah. After yeah. an orgasm, generally, you're going to have a pretty good fucking day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So it was just really such a feeling of empowerment and it was I felt good as a person that See, I was able I, to provide happiness. I love to hear that shit. I love to hear that shit because you hate, you would hate to hear, I felt so dirty after. Like you would hate to hear yeah. that. And it's just, just like any career mm-hmm. or any profession you choose, certain people do go in it for the wrong reasons. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know, for an example, I know lots of bartenders that didn't do it very long because they went into it and they felt dirty doing like I'm giving poison to people or I can't fucking listen to these people complain all day. Like I feel disgusting after a shift. Yeah. So just, it would be the same thing as sex work. Like it would just be, I feel so dirty after doing that. Like this isn't who I am. It's you hate to hear someone hating what they do. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest problems is that, if someone says, like, if a bartender were to say, like, I fucking hate, like, I'm giving people poison, I hate this, I hate myself for doing it, no one makes a big deal out of it. No, no. No one makes a big deal of it. But if a sex worker would say, like, I, I fucking hate this, I hate what I'm doing, people will generally be like, well, you should, it's fucking disgusting. Or the or answer is, well, you should stop. Yeah. Stop immediately. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, uh, it goes back to the stigma. It's just, it's, it's a shame. Yeah. Because... Even just like no one out there can see her face, but when she was talking about telling me the story, like you had this big smile on your face, <laughs> so you're just like you genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't just about the money. Like you mentioned the money once. It was companionship and spending time and making someone feel good and making yeah, someone sure. relax, all that kind of stuff. So I mean, the money is is all that people look at. They look at the money and they look at the sex, the filth, and they don't look at everything else. Yeah. Which is all those things that were aforementioned. Yeah. Um, so 
you worked at the parlor for a while and obviously you enjoyed it you loved it so you said you've worked in other sectors what where when did you decide to move on what did you move on to doing would you was there a situation like eh, i'd rather go back to a salon or like where's tell me some of the stuff tell me some of the paths yeah. you took yeah so i mean so i did work in that particular spot um for it, it was about a year mm -hmm. um you know and i at the time i think like we said it's an evolution right yeah. like like any career mm -hmm. so you know although i i embraced it um i do think that i was kind of green in a lot of ways well of and course you so, were it's like you said like, it's like any career like yeah. you you're like i know what i know until i know more exactly like yeah, you're not gonna know more unless you learn more. a learning curve mm -hmm. to everything and so you know like i i tried my best um but i i do appreciate from from their end i wasn't the busiest girl at mm. the spa i was you know like perhaps i had some days where i was fully booked other days not so much and so i can understand they they have overhead you know and certain financial expectations that need to be met um so at that time uh, it didn't work out for me to, to stay there. Um, and so then I went to go work in a different place. I would say not as upscale. Um, but that was also an interesting experience as well because so the ladies offered more. Mm -hmm. um, I would say more of like a, a brothel style or like a full service sex work, as they say, um, at this particular parlor. Uh, so because I wasn't ready to explore that part of myself, um, you know, I kind of had to figure out how to be more of a shapeshifter in order to still get booked and have yeah. clients, but a different level of competition, Yeah. you know? So mm -hmm. even though it maybe wasn't the nicest place, it still helped me grow as a sex worker mm -hmm. because I figured out more of the tapping into the human psyche yeah. and reading people's personalities and, you know, experimenting with different things like fetishes you know mm -hmm. different styles of massage well yeah we said like you know it's not always penis and vagina no there are there's every fucking color in the rainbow <laughs> some people want to go in and literally just be spanked yeah like i was watching there's a show on netflix right now called kingdom um with frank grillo it's all about like mixed martial arts and all this kind of stuff and there's one character who's on parole mm -hmm. and he ends up fucking up his parole and his parole officer comes to the gym that he's training at and he's like this you know this guy skipped parole he's going back to fucking jail and everyone's like oh like there's got to be a way that we can make this right and then the parole officer like essentially looks down at the at the fighter the guy who's all sweaty he's like mm -hmm. well we can work on something and everyone automatically assumes like oh my god there's like it's something gay like he like he wants to suck his dick or okay. he wants to see him naked or he wants naked pictures but it turns out that the parole officer did have a fetish, mm -hmm. but he was sexually turned on by salt, salty things, specifically oh. sweat. Okay. So all he wanted from him was his his fresh, sweaty t-shirt. Yeah. So he could go home and put it over his face and whatever, jerk off <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So it's just like, okay, cool, go on my sweaty t-shirt. Okay, cool, man, here okay. you go. Like, <laughs> there are so many different fetishes out there. Yeah. And I think, Fewer of them rather than more of them actually involve penis and vagina. Like there is so much. Yeah. There's so many fucking things out there. Yeah. So what are some of the what are some of the fetishes that you encountered? I mean, you said that you had to to shape shift and you had to have a different bag of tricks, let's say, yeah, and the yeah, girls yeah. who were willing to be like, 
whatever you want, any hole, let's fucking go. Like, yeah. well, no, you had to tap into humanity and into your actress and your performance. Yeah. And you got to explore and learn some new things. So tell me about a couple of, uh, not even necessarily extremely sexual ones, but interesting ones. Uh, definitely, I, I I really like foot fetish. Yeah. Yeah, I find that really interesting. Like foot worship? But yeah, like for the client to worship my feet. Your feet, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find that an interesting one. It's fun, like it, it's just very, it's very erotic for myself mm -hmm. uh, to have my feet played with, you know, to play with a man's cock with my feet, um, you know, things like that. So yeah. I'd say definitely the more common fetishes are things like foot fetish, because that incorporates heavily with massage as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, and there's still like the physical, there's still like actual physical touch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's still physical touch. Definitely role play is, mm -hmm. a, is a large one. You know, I always kind of have fun with like the whole doctor and nurse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's role a good play, one. Role yeah. playing is so fun. Definitely. Everyone's got their, everyone's, like me is, me is uh, the DDLG, like daddy, like dirty daddy little girl. Like okay. that's always, that's always been my, uh, my thing. And Sometimes it's, I don't know these acronyms, so you might have yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> there's so, so many of them. Yeah, there's, there's so fucking many. Um, <laughs> it's like the, um, the exchange of power, the yeah. control, the dom versus the sub. And I mean, I'm not necessarily, I'm into light bondage and I'm into a few things, but for me, it's, it, for my sexual arousal generally is the power dynamic. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just like for some people, it's feet. Like feet do nothing for me. Just as my fetish would do nothing for somebody else. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's, I always, the more I learn, the, the more I'm always interested just to, to learn even more just because there are so many different things out there that yeah. connect people to each other. And see, in terms of, in terms of like the fetishes and, uh, me as a worker having to step out of my um my true self yeah. so to speak as an introvert yeah you know like i in my private life very much enjoy being the submissive yeah you know kind of feeling like that oh like i'm i'm like the dirty little girl yeah, exactly. you know yeah. and like uh you know the whole oh, daddy tell me what to do yeah. like but in my professional life i very much need to stay in the mindset of I'm the dominant one, mm -hmm. you're the submissive one. So with my sessions with clients, I don't I don't take on that role. There's yeah. there's a segregation between my my professional and personal. As there should be, of course. Yeah, and I think that that definitely helps me to to compartmentalize things. Mm -hmm. So okay, cool. So we talked a little bit about uh, fetishes, and then that the kind of strung into power dynamics. So. Mm -hmm. I like my power dynamic in your, in, sorry, in my sexual life. You like your power dynamic in your sexual life. Now, in my personal experiences, most of my partners that have been like strong, independent, like business, not even business, but just like, just boss bitches, like mm -hmm. women that own their shit, like very confident, very strong, dominant women. In the bedroom, it is that 180. Yeah. It's like, I want to be, I want to be used. I want to be abused. I want to be your little toy. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's so, it's that full switch right yeah. now. When you were to have, whether as clients now or as, as clients, when you're giving a massage, these important rigid businessmen who like, you know, fortune 500 companies, mm -hmm. would that switch occur as well? Like, do they want to be? pampered and they want to be the sub like they want to be yeah 
the not even the weak, but the, the sub. Like what I said, they want to be the submissive one. I do find that that's very common. That interesting clients who are in a professional position of power, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak, whether they're in law enforcement, they're perhaps in politics, things like that. You know, they're so used to having that role, and oftentimes, if they are married men, they're also the breadwinner at home. Yeah. You know, so they also have to have that that power, strong role. Mm-hmm. You know, at home. Um, and then they do the opposite when they yeah. come to someone like me. Yeah. I think again, it, it just it's kind of factoring in like human complexity, and we all need that sense of escape. And I think for clients in that position, you know, that they, like they're always in the office, they're flying around the world, they're in meetings, you know, they're Pressure. dealing with people where they have to be the authority Pressure. all the time. They just want to let go, and yeah. they want somebody else to take care of them. You know, they want to experience something that's polar opposite of mm-hmm. what they're dealing with in everyday life, right? Yeah. So they need that fantasy, that escape, and they're the clients that you know they they perhaps you know need you to to call them names or humiliate them. Yeah. Or they need for you to financially drain their wallet, and yeah. that's what gets them off, like yeah. telling them, you know, like, you have to hand over that $500 right now. Like, yeah. your whole role in life is to give me money yeah. because I'm the person in power. Yeah. And they relish it, they love it, because they need that yeah. sense of freedom well, and that, that they're not balance. getting, and the balance. They, there's never that balance, all that pressure, Yeah. and the fact that day in, day out, male or female or anything in between, day in, day out, that you're the one making those big decisions. You're the one who's the breadwinner. You're yeah. the one who has to be strong. You're the one who has to remain put together. You're the one who has to lead. You are always held at that accolade or at mm. that level. And you're always having to have that pressure constantly on you. Yeah. So why not in a a comfortable and vulnerable setting, which just so happens to be sexual, because that's when we're our most vulnerable mm-hmm. and ironically comfortable at the same time, is generally a sexual setting to be able to relinquish that. Yeah. They don't have to make any decisions. They are getting barked at or controlled, which mm-hmm. is completely opposite of what they're normally used to. No wonder they fucking enjoy it. They never get to have it. Yeah. And I think that, it, you know, that's kind of something that, you know, like lately, like we've really been promoting the idea of vulnerability in men. Mm-hmm. Which I love. You know? But I think that perhaps, unfortunately, in personal relationships, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna stereotype and say married mm. relationships. You know, like now we're women, we're expecting our men to be vulnerable, but only in specific ways in which, you know, like like that would be. How do I, how do I want to say this? We expect them to be vulnerable in terms of like verbal communication. Okay but not necessarily in their sexuality with their partner. So there's a lack of communication happening Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, a man is probably not going to feel safe being vulnerable to his wife at home Mm -hmm. about needing to be called a little bitch during sex or needing to wear a Catholic school girl kilt or a diaper or a diaper. He's not able to express that vulnerability at home. And that's why he has to, you know, has to or chooses to Mm -hmm. create that experience with someone like me as Mm -hmm. a worker, because I can provide that release 
in that context, which he may not get at home. He has no fear of judgment. Exactly. He has no fear of if it goes poorly, having to look at his wife on it, which I think that's very interesting. Embarrassed afterwards. That's the word. Thank you. That's the word I was going to lead to is embarrassment. I think that for a lot of people, both men, sorry, um, men, women, and everything in between included, um, when people hear the world, the word vulnerable, Mm -hmm. they also hear weakness, Yes. which is completely inaccurate. Yeah. I truly in my soul believe that there is nothing wrong with men being vulnerable. I celebrate it. I encourage it Mm -hmm. for men to be vulnerable and for men to feel comfortable enough, especially with their partners Mm -hmm. to be their true rawest self. Yeah. And because of what you mentioned, the lack of communication, um, that is a huge reason why sex work is so successful. Mm-hmm. And once again, it is being looked down upon. Yeah. As opposed to let's work on communication and normalizing vulnerability in men. Just one example. There are a lot of things we have to fucking normalize in this world, especially regarding <laughs> sex. Yeah. Um, but that's just one. But instead of focusing on, no, 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 let's work on communication and education and teaching people how to be themselves and why they should be themselves. Mm-hmm. No, no, we're not going to do that. We're just going to focus negatively on sex work and yeah. how fucking cheating men going to fucking strippers and all this kind of shit. It's yeah. like, well, that wouldn't necessarily have to happen if there was communication happening at home. You know, I've had a client in the past. He's a very, very successful businessman. Um, you know, and you would look at him and just be like, you have the perfect life on yeah. paper, you know, like very successful, high profile career, has a beautiful wife at home, you know, has a couple children and you know, it's for better or for worse, part of me feels bad because he has fetishes and predilections that he can't reveal to his partner. And you know, like, like I imagine what it must be like for him to live that experience and not, not to be able to fully embrace himself and his sexuality with their part, with his partner, because he feels embarrassed in Mm -hmm. some, with some element of it, or he doesn't feel like she would look at him the same way the next day. Or, you know, there are all these judgments that we place on on fetishes, on sexuality, you know, and at the end of the day, it's just fucking sex. Yeah. Can we not take it yeah. so seriously? Yeah. You know, like just listen with an open mind, an open heart, and you know, not judge about it. Like Which we're so quick to do, right? Yeah. Like I mean I can just hear it and I know there's been situations out there. There has to have been situations where it's just like the wife screaming at the husband, like, how am I supposed to expect you to be the, the father to our children when you want me to fuck you in the ass with a dildo? Yeah, it's just yeah. Like, it's like, <laughs> the guy wants to get fucking paid. Who cares? <laughs> like, you love each other. Who cares? Who gives a, you can still be a good father and a strong, masculine man. And that's, it doesn't matter yeah. if you want to get fucked up the ass with a dildo. If that's yeah. your jam, go for it. Fuck. Like, it's... Yeah. You know, and it, it's kind of interesting. It, in a way, it's the Madonna whore complex, but put onto men. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you. It's like you're either alpha or you're beta, and we're gonna judge morals, whether that's good or bad. You know, and and we just need to embrace that. Such horseshit. Yeah, you know, it's it's, such fucking it's horseshit. It's not. It's not fair. It's not fair. 
there's such a spectrum of human sexuality and I think we all just need to be more comfortable communicating with our partners about it, you know, about our needs, about our desires and have fun. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, at the end of the day, don't fucking take it so seriously and have fun. Um, so you just mentioned like talking with our partners, being open with our partners. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk a little bit about, um, what it's like to be in a relationship if you're if you're yeah. a sex worker like i mentioned before i was in a relationship with uh, with a woman who was a sex worker and i was never upset about that's what she was doing it was i was upset that she wasn't being honest about it mm-hmm. and she unfortunately was in the percentage of of people in in any industry my industry is no better but she was um like substance abuse Okay. So a lot of times I would go pick her up um, after after she was done work and she would be fucked up off Molly and drunk and crying mm-hmm. and being like, I hate this, I hate myself. And it's just like, I would love to communicate, but you won't let me in. Like, it's just like, uh, how can I, how can I help if I don't know what the fuck is going on? Yeah. So it was always a lack of communication. And obviously that stemmed, or sorry, um, that led to resentment and all that kind of stuff and just things fell apart. It was it was never because of what she was doing is because there wasn't any communication or honesty about it. So yeah. are you, you, I'm sure you've had relationships in the past. Do you have a relationship now? If you do, what's it like dating? Like just give us some insight into um, what it's like dating or being in a relationship with a sex worker. Yeah, it's definitely challenging. Again, because of the stigma um, and because privacy and safety is of utmost importance, it's, yeah. it's, it's more challenging to navigate dating in a personal aspect as a sex worker, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, in my experience, I don't like to hide the fact that I'm in the adult industry. You know, I, I respect that a lot of ladies do want to maintain privacy about mm-hmm. that. My personal view is that, I mean, not only is that just something on my conscience that I don't want to have weighing me down because the hiding, you know, where are you going? What are you doing for work? You know, I don't, I don't like that feeling of lying to somebody. Yeah. Um, You know, and the reality is that there are, there are definitely risks. There are risks to personal safety. There's, you know, risks in terms of STDs, etc. You know, whether it's in the spa or whether you're a companion or you know you're in the strip club doing extras. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I don't think that it's fair to have a partner that doesn't have that information for their own health and safety as well. Yeah. You know, because and and we all take our chances, right? Like, um, it's hard finding some. It, it's like it's difficult at first because you don't know how much to reveal to somebody right off the hop. Um, yeah, you know, and some girls they they're involved, you know, with a with a person for years and years, and that person has no idea that they're an escort or they work in a spa or that they're a dancer. Yeah. Um, you know, so that that's not a choice that I would make, but I understand why women do. Of course, and I mean, so, it's, it just it once again it stems from that stigma and that fear mm-hmm. that you know we are programmed to think that sex work is wrong. Yeah. And you don't know who's going to out you, yeah. you know, perhaps if, if you're pursuing an education, if you have a second job, mm-hmm. um, if your family members don't know, because that's, yeah. a, that's another big element is yeah. do you tell your family or yeah, not, exactly. you know? So, 
I like to be transparent uh, with the people I'm choosing to date in my personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think again, communication is important because not everybody that you're dating is going to want to hear all the elements about your work life. Of course, they like, might not yeah. be able to take that information and you know process, process it. it. Yeah, sit of course, with it, of course. Yeah. And I mean that's. That's not to say that in the future they may not. That just Correct. be because we're always we're constantly evolving, we're constantly changing, you know, in, in ourselves as well as our relationships. So yeah. maybe for the first while, like I don't want to know about exactly what you do at work, mm-hmm. but the more we talk and the more we communicate, okay, maybe give me some details. It's yeah. like, oh, okay, that okay, that doesn't bother me at all. That actually kind of turns me on. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. So maybe now tell me some more details. And I mean, communication is only going to be beneficial. I mean, whether or not it leads to the success and the continuation of the relationship mm-hmm. or leads to the realization that we're not right for each other. Mm-hmm. Either way, it's only beneficial. I do think it, it definitely does take a very strong person to date a sex worker. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, I think maybe some people, they think that they'll be okay with it. And mm-hmm. then down the road, they're not so okay with it. Yeah. Um, you know, or they start pressuring their partner into changing work, you know, yeah. and like, well, I don't want you to do this forever and ever. And, you yeah. know, and then concessions are made, et cetera, et cetera. Right? A big part of it it not necessarily has to do with the partner who is this ex worker. It has to do with the partner who is it's not their own yeah. internal feeling. It's like, know, um, you know, what it reminds me of it's, it's like when you're a guy and you're like, Oh fuck. Like you have a, I have a hot girlfriend. Like, yeah, let's have a threesome. Yeah. It's like, okay, like bring a, bring a girl or bring a girl over. Okay, cool. Then the next time, okay, let's have a threesome. What if the girl wants to bring a guy? Oh no, no guys, no guys. No girls guys. How's that fucking fair? <laughs> like, it's, that's like, it has to go two ways. It has to go both ways, right? So it's, it just reminds me of that. It's just, it's not what they're willing to do. It's what you're willing to do. It's, yeah. are you willing to look inside yourself and make sure everything's okay with what's going on enough to be able to, to be present with your partner yeah. and to be a part of that? Yeah. And I mean, like, so if I've done something like, say, online dating, you know, I do kind of like to um, vet people if I'm if I'm interested in them in my personal life you know I do like to ask a couple you know questions like yeah. oh like you know so have you ever have you ever dated you know a, a dancer is usually kind of the easy way to introduce you know to, the to topic test, of sex work to yeah you test, have to kind of to test the waters dip your toe in and mm. see how that person might respond right so, you know, when I, when I've dated in my personal life, I do like to ask questions like that. Like, what are your views on pornography or, mm-hmm. you know, like how comfortable are you with your own sexuality or things mm-hmm. like that? Um, you know, and, and I've had, I've had guys sit across from me and go, oh, a, a stripper. Like I would, I would never date a stripper or, you know, that's not the kind of girl that I would want to date, you know? But that, they it, do want that girl yeah. with the the hypersexuality. They just don't want to date her. They... Yeah, well, no, we're Keep not. Oh. We're not. We're not fucking done. <laughs> we're not fucking done. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think you definitely have to, as a worker, you definitely have to test the waters to see how receptive people are going to be, and. 
you know, like I just, I basically, if I, if I'm kind of not feeling that the person's open enough to it, you know, I'll just be like, okay, like it was fantastic meeting mm -hmm. you, you know, um, I've kind of got my cover story, so to speak, you know, so that I can maintain my privacy, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but in general, I much prefer to date somebody who knows what I do, who is comfortable with it, who is secure and confident in their own sexuality and their own needs and desires out of a relationship, I find that much easier. Well, I mean, that's, at the end of the day, that's the basis for any fucking, healthier well, too. Yeah, and, and, for any, and for any relationship that has any potential of being successful, there has to be that basis of honesty. Yeah. So, so when you start, let's say it's, that first date or you start you start to vet someone you start to discuss and they say oh like i like yeah like i, I like i love strip clubs like I, I wouldn't mind if my girlfriend worked at a strip club like i mean what's like so what's your initial what's your initial story like when you're when you're starting a relationship or like when you're like okay i met someone that i'm not only physically attracted to yeah i want to talk to him i actually want to talk to him like what is where do you start yeah i mean I, it, it can be tricky because we really emphasize people's jobs as their identification yeah right like the first thing out of someone's mouth what typically do you do is, for a living what do you do for work yeah. what do you do for a living yeah. you know and whether that's because we want to you know figure out where they sit in the social chain, you know, professionally, financially, you know, we want to make these initial judgments about who they are as a we, person. Of course their job defines Based them, Based on right? their job. Yeah. I'm an accountant. Oh, you're probably boring and like you go to bed yeah. at 10 o'clock and say, it's like, just because your accountant doesn't mean you're fucking boring. Yeah. So because I already had a background in like customer service yeah. and hospitality, I find that that flows naturally for me um, to, stay that, to say that I'm still in that industry. You know, I'm also very passionate about health and wellness. So, um, you know, like I'll, I'll talk about that as well, you know, and I'll also try and emphasize that it's, it's, a, it's a passion too. It's not just professional, but I'm still trying to kind of test the waters a little bit. To well, see yeah. How receptive they are. It's not it, like, once again, unfortunately, it's not something that you can just have in like, what like work occupation, like sex worker, like you yeah. can't, unfortunately, you can't have that because most people will be like, oh, really? Oh, in our sex worker utopia, that would be so great. You know, yeah. and just a, as a little tangent, um, you know, in, in the spirit of fully embracing myself as a sex worker, uh, several months back be before COVID, et cetera, um, you know, I actually came out to mm -hmm. a potential employer. I was seeking a day job, you know, and uh, the woman and I were having a very interesting interview. And, uh, you know, like I... I had padded my resume uh, with certain things, you know, so that it was socially acceptable. Because mm -hmm. um, you have to, you have to cover a lot of bases in terms of like references, time yep. gaps, things like that. Yep. You know, but I felt comfortable enough with myself that I just said to her, "You know what? Between this year and this year, adult entertainer, mm -hmm. and I will be, you know, forthcoming that that has been the majority of my experience, you know, in this life as a career." Um, you know, so how'd she take it? She was very receptive. That's awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. I'm not sure I would have felt so as comfortable had it been a man. Yeah. Um, in that situation. Yeah. But 
you know, there, there was a really good feeling of a moment of even deeper empowerment that, you know, like I, I just felt cool with, with coming out to her, Yeah. you know, and I, and you know, she, she actually did contact me to work with her, um, a couple weeks later, it wasn't something that ultimately panned out, but you know, that really, that really solidified that in that, that it wasn't, the right it wasn't just her being like, Oh, that's nice. And then as soon as you leave, there's no way I'm hiring this. So she yeah. actually reached out to you weeks yeah. later for something that wasn't even related, like a separate project or a separate job, uh, a separate job. Yeah. yeah. See, that's, that's fantastic. That's amazing. That's very empowering. Yeah. In a perfect world, right? Wouldn't that be great? Uh, I know. I know so many sex workers that would love <clears throat> to be able to put that on their resume. Yeah. Especially, you know, now that a lot of us have incorporated things like OnlyFans into our our income base, you know, mm -hmm. there's marketing, there's photography, there's branding. There's it's a lot of fucking work. Wow. There's in there's the financial investment in terms of equipment, mm -hmm. you know, so there really are a myriad of skills that you get as a sex worker. Yeah, well, like, yeah. It's so frustrating to not be able to put those on your resume, though. Vi video editing, <laughs> like sound production, makeup. I know. Wardrobe. Makeup, wardrobe. Like, it's like, oh, like, you've essentially worked, like, you've worked essentially movie sets and mm -hmm. and photo shoots, but you've done them all your fucking self. But you do it all yourself. <laughs> exactly. That takes a lot of work. That's a lot of fucking skills. <laughs> no, it's impressive. Um, I like to... At the end, at the end of my episodes, if time merits, and I think we have enough time today, I like to do uh, story time. Mm -hmm. So, seeing how this week's subject is is sex work, tell me, like I said, like I, like I said before, it doesn't have to be the most sexual thing, but tell me one of the most interesting and unusual encounters that you've had in your years of experience. Gosh. There's got to be a few. There's got to be a few that are like, this is fucking crazy, or like, this is hilarious, or I've never ever even, this is like something that's never been on your radar before. Like the sweat yeah. thing that I saw on fucking Netflix. It's like, I had no idea that's a fucking thing. Like, it's like a, a celophiliac is what they're called, oh. or something like that. Someone who's sexually attracted to salty things. I was like, is this a fucking thing? I, I know a lot of shit. And I was like, holy fuck, oh. there's another one for, there's another one for the old memory bank. Um, I, well, I'll say one of the most touching, um, experiences that I had recently was a client who is a paraplegic, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I think that that's, that's something too, that's really important that, you know, people who are maybe differently abled, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or who have, you know, maybe say autism, they're not able to socially connect with people, yeah. whether because it's mentally, physically, et cetera. Yeah. There's um, some sort of boundary. There's a boundary there, and and those are really special experiences for mm -hmm. me as a provider. Um, also, you know, uh, meeting clients who perhaps their partner has passed away, um, and they're not I never, yeah. yeah elderly. I didn't like, think of that. You know, and, and again, the stigma people go, oh, dirty old man. But you know, like that's that's an issue mm -hmm. that older people who perhaps their partners have passed away, they still need that connection. Of course they do. They're and still imagine, human beings. Yeah. Imagine like, like still, you still have your sexuality, you know, when you're in your later years of life. Of course you do. And it's, it's been really wonderful for me to connect with clients like that, that they just really want to hold somebody. Maybe you remind them of their wife, 
you know, or their long-term partner, and they they just want to relive those memories mm-hmm. and hold somebody and feel close, you know. So moments like that are really, really special for me and mm-hmm. things that I cherish. And I, I do like uh, doing role play, yeah. you know, like I find those really so, fun. So like you said doctor and nurse and stuff like that. So like what's one that was like outside the box? So you're like, this is different. Well, the, the gentleman also had a fetish for really tall girls. Mm-hmm. So it was myself and another lady and, and we're both quite tall mm-hmm. and he was a very short man. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of had this fetish that it was a bit doctor, nurse, you know, a bit um, where he wanted to feel vulnerable, okay. you know, like a smaller creature. And uh, and I don't know, my, like my friend and I just had the best time, like kind of, like we were laughing with him, but we were also laughing at him. Yeah, well that's, that's, that's what he the wanted. belittling, the demeaning, the belittling, yeah. The demeaning, you know, and just saying like asinine comments or like, you know, smacking him on the ass and being like, oh, you you filthy little bitch, you know? <laughs> and he's probably, he's probably oh, in heaven. He's probably in heaven. Biggest smile yeah. on his face. Oh my God, just absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I, I love experiences like that. It's just so fun for me to live in my fantasy world and their, yeah. their fantasy world. And, you know, you just have this wild time and then everybody goes on with the rest of their day. Yeah, you get to you get to perform. It's like going to the ballet. Like you get to go you get to go experience a show. Yeah. And go on about your day. Yeah. It's exactly. just you feel way better after that than after the ballet. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I love um, one of my favorite things too is like when it when a client experiences something that he's never experienced before. Okay. Like I'm I'm a huge fan of giving a prostate massage. Okay. And you know, I know a lot of guys are uncomfortable with that. That's that's one of those things. <laughs> that's one of those things. So now I've like I've attempted it a couple of times okay. and it's for me it is so fucking intense. Yeah. I'm not I'm not at the point yet in my own sexuality where I can be like I will follow this through. Like for <laughs> me it's like oh, it's like holy fuck it is so much. Yeah. I would love like I mean I'm gonna work on getting there of course i think every man should i've heard nothing but fantastic things uh-huh. it's a matter of 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 commitment and allowing yourself and relaxing and and evolving and pursuing it. i'll fucking get there i'll fucking get there but but like yeah <laughs> prostate massage Woo! all right continue anyways continue. so like, you gave a guy his kinda, first prostate massage sometimes i feel so mischievous because I, I like to play with the back door on guys yeah. to kind of kind of be like how much do you really like? Yeah, that? exactly. Like, How much do you little, like it, or do you little, like it? Little tickle. Are you gonna? Are you gonna clench? And that yeah. little rosebud's gonna yeah. close right up. <laughs> little rosebud. <laughs> <laughs> or are you gonna be like? Yeah, like, hello. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like, I, I never try and cross boundaries with what clients feel comfortable with. Of course. With, yeah. But a lot of people, you know, in in being unsure about their own sexuality, sometimes you, you do have to just. Co- not necessarily coax them, but coach them. Yeah, coax but, them, but coach them. Yeah, you're like, you, yeah, them. you're Put like, them at ease enough. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, if yeah. This is feeling good for you. You can give me the feedback that says, "Feel free to keep going." You yeah. know, and I really like that because um, I've had some guys experience crazy intense orgasms. Yeah. 
through prostate massage, yeah. like not not just stimulation of the prostate, right? Well, no, but, uh, but yeah. But and I, I want to just say to the audience out there, highly recommend wearing latex gloves or, you know, rubber gloves of some sort for protection. If mm -hmm. you are going to be working with the anus, you yeah. know, with the, the butthole area, very, yeah. very sensitive. Use yeah. lots of lube. Yeah. If you have finger, long fingernails, put cotton balls on your fingernails before putting them in the gloves so that you uh, don't. I've never pierced the gloves. Lesbian trick. Um, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. If, if you're a lady who likes to get your nails. I always wondered that because if you like, obviously I've heard of, you know, wearing the glove and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. if you have like, you have long nails, uh -huh. if you have long fucking nails, and you're going at it and you're and you're getting the job done like what's to stop that fucking nail from piercing the rubber glove yeah i mean cotton I, ball so do you put the cotton ball over the nail yeah just put the cotton ball right over your nail and then you know? put the gloves and, and fingers then, in the gloves and black black latex gloves are very sexy to do yeah. this and plus it kind of gets rid of the potential ick factor if yeah, you're a little self-conscious yeah, about the back door play yeah but yeah lots lots of lube lots of love i uh, see you guys learn something gently. every episode <laughs> you guys learn something i learn something every episode and you guys get to learn something every episode that's uh -huh. fucking wild and like i you know because because my the, my predominant background is massage yeah so, but i i really have found that a lot of guys like this they like you know like the the play on the outside and then going inside and gently stimulating the prostate yeah. and then just doing a nice slow hand work on the cock like i'm telling you it's this like i am <laughs> i'm an absolute like i am an, an advocate i am a very adamant advocate for hand jobs and how much they are underrated so underrated that is like Penis and vagina is great. Penis and vagina is great. That's what we are biologically programmed to seek is the penetration. That is for procreation. Yeah. That is the ultimate finish line. But like blowjobs and eating pussy, like those are fucking fantastic. Like I, I will I will eat pussy till the end of the world. That's my jam. <laughs> That's my peanut butter and fucking jam. But you find yourself a partner that can give an absolute stellar hand job. Like there is... I know my mother listens to this podcast. I'm, all, I'm sorry. I, I I tell my mother. My mother knows a lot about my sex life, anyways. Oh, not generally it. these details. Mom, turn off the fucking episode now. But a good, like, good, solid fucking hand job. Mm -hmm. I'm a very like I talked before about the power dynamic. I am extremely dominant in my sexuality. When yeah. I look, my whole thing is like, I'm a big guy. I look, I look like a fucking Viking. There's a reason I do. I like to be dominant. The only time in any sexual situation that I will willfully and seek to relinquish my dominance mm -hmm. is during a good hand job. Yeah. Like I have turned into a little bitch boy, like butter in your hands. I belong to you. Yeah. You own me kind of thing. And they're just so undervalued and so underappreciated. Yeah. Like a good fucking hand job. It is the woman literally has like your life in her hands. Like she has complete <laughs> control. She has complete control of the situation. And they're just they're so great. They're so nice. And I think, you know, like that's actually a really great way for maybe for a lot of guys who, you know, again are in high profile. Um, careers, yeah. you know, professional Power things positions. like that. Maybe they don't really want to, you know, explore fetishes per se, but for your partner to give you a sensual 
erotic massage of the cock, mm -hmm. that is going to be a way that that man can relax yeah. and release and just really, you know, enjoy and embrace that. Well, you have no control. Yeah. The male has no control in that situation. Yeah. And that's the way, that's the way it and should it's be. Like, and even though innately I, I am, you know, uh, more submissive in my personal life there, I, I get off on looking at a guy and just being like, oh, you are fucking putty yeah. in my hands, This sir. dick is mine. Like, I this know. penis is not yours. It is my cock now. And like, that, for me, that feels really good. And, it's really yeah. hot. And I know <laughs> lots of women who feel the exact same way, especially, like, I've had a lot of, uh, not a lot of, I've had I've had a few partners where they've been like, like, like you don't want to fuck or like you don't want me to suck your dick like you want a hand job and like just trust me yeah. just trust me on this and then we'll get into it and the, the dirty talk the making out like the heavy petting and the hand job and then like this little timid girl is all of a sudden like this is i own this shit yeah. and they get to experience that power and afterwards they're like holy shit like that was amazing like mm -hmm. like like i owned you i dominated you and i was like and take it like trust me i enjoyed it just as much as you yeah and we both had a great fucking time and yeah. it was something different i think that's a that's a good takeaway too actually for the men that are listening is that mm -hmm. you know and it there aren't a lot of guys that i've experienced that actually just want to give you a nice oily pussy massage yeah yeah and that's an incredible turn on for me too, because Absolutely. then I get to feel like I can I can actually just relax. I can feel calm, sensual, sexy, and mm -hmm. you know, and because a lot of guys default to like going down on yeah. you, you know, for that clit orgasm. But yeah. I'm telling you, take your time and mm -hmm. just do a sexy pussy massage. Work some that coconut pussy. oil. Love the coconut yeah, oil. Yeah, coconut or grapeseed oil. Mm -hmm. You know, light a candle, make it warm in the room, set some music, and just really like massage your partner's pussy in a sexy way and yeah. just watch her, you know, relax into it and just yeah. become more sexually open with you. And because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're essentially, because you're massaging using your hands, whether you're massaging a cock or you're massaging a pussy, you're generally at an arm's length. So you can look at your partner's body and mm -hmm. see how they're reacting mm -hmm. and what they're reacting to. And then you can memory bank that. Like yeah. when I touch her or touch him there, they respond like this. Okay, I'm gonna remember that. And then you can bring that back out of your bag of tricks at any time that you choose. Mm -hmm. And you get to learn about all these physical triggers that your partner may not even know they have mm -hmm. or not even know they're reacting to yeah. because they're just completely enjoying it. It's like, do you remember how hard you bucked your hips when I twisted? And you're like, like what? what? Like, I don't even know that happened. <laughs> yeah, but I remember what happened. So you're gonna repeat that at a later date. Everyone fucking wins. Yeah. Everyone wins. Everyone wins. Yeah. Everyone love everyone. <laughs> E-L-E. <laughs> Again, it comes down to, yeah, like communication and embracing your sexuality, yeah. you know. And, and I think just culturally, it would be a lot healthier if, you know, people did this with their partners. And be be transparent about, you know, your needs sexually, your needs, like, you know, in terms of communication, your needs in terms of, like, monogamy or polyamory, mm -hmm. things like that. It's 
we can both agree um, that it comes down, it comes back down to communication. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about in the beginning of this episode, like we're talking about as we wrap up, is that the irony of this whole situation is that communication is being overlooked and sex work is being looked down upon. Mm-hmm. And if one was a little bit better, then we wouldn't have this need as much for something that we supposedly as a society hate. It doesn't make any fucking sense to me. I just think that sex work should be much more accepted Mm -hmm. and communication should be much more worked on between partners. And then you wouldn't have all these quote unquote taboo situations where it's like, I can't believe that my husband went to a rub and tug. It's like, well, you probably weren't giving him what he wanted at home. Mm. And you guys weren't communicating about it. That's on both of you. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it it actually is really hard, you know, like, and I, I try and reserve judgment in terms of, you know, good or bad. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if people are say married, you know, in a monogamous relationship, and then that client is coming to the massage parlor, you know, I don't, I I don't want to judge whether or not that's good or bad. Um, well, you don't know what their life is like. You have no idea, right? Uh, yeah, like oftentimes, you know, like I'll meet somebody and they haven't been intimate in so long, mm-hmm. so long, you know, and whether that's because of a breakdown at home because of like fighting or just, you know, careers and, and overworked or because children are in the picture and yeah. now, you know, perhaps a couple is drifting apart, drifting apart, yeah. you know, like it's it's frustrating to see people come in that have these desires, these needs, these fantasies, you know, and and they're not getting it at home. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think it's becoming more acceptable now for people to have more open relationships. I agree. You know, it's becoming, it's definitely becoming more common. So it's becoming more accepted or it's becoming more accepted. So it's becoming more common. One of the two. And I think couples are now coming around to the idea of exploring, you know, hiring a provider mm-hmm. to introduce that element of fantasy mm-hmm. um, and variety into their relationships. And I've I've actually had just women book me. I mean, like typically it it, it is male centered. Yeah. The clients are men. But even in the the massage parlor now, um, you know, quite a while back when I was still there, I had a lady come in. And she wanted an erotic massage. Mm-hmm. You know, she had been married. She had recently left her husband, you know, um, but she came in just for herself. And I yeah. thought that was fantastic. That's amazing. Yeah. Why not? That, she deserves to be fucking pampered. Yeah. And like, there aren't places like this yeah. that cater specifically to women. Not yeah. that I know of anyway. Typically. That's it's, Yeah. That's generally like when you think massage parlor, it's like, okay, it's, it's all women. And I mean, I think that there would be. I don't know. Well, females working there. Well, in sorry, females. Females, yeah. sorry, females working in male clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it would be. I mean, it's. I think it would be a pretty good business model for a be a massage parlor, but males working there servicing men and women. Like, I mean, I know there are lots of curious or bi men out there that would like perhaps yeah. somewhere safe and not judgmental to yeah. go. And just as there are women who require, you know. Women want to be fucking serviced. They want the it's exact same thing. More things. common now, yeah. I mean, I've just I've never heard of a place. Women to put that out there. Yeah. No, I mean I think it should be more common. Yeah. 
like why not like women have to feel loved and they want to come and they want to be held they want to talk like it's it should be normal everyone should I'm be here communicating. For those women too. there you go see yeah. <laughs> There, there are women like you for women like that. Perfect. Yeah. Everyone, and see, they are out and there. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, people, I mean, you, we can, there, there could be a whole tangent about whether it's good or bad that people cheat, right? Mm. Like, the, the cheating, is it cheating when a husband goes to a rub and tug? Is it cheating if, like, the wife, you know, goes and hires a male sex provider or goes to a male strip club for mm. the night, etc.? But, you know, I'm, I think it's actually, for couples that are willing to explore that and um, introduce new partners, etc., maybe I'm biased because it's my it's my profession. But mm-hmm. I think it's actually a smarter route to start that out by hiring a professional. Yeah. You know. So it's like a, it's like a neutral couples, third party because it's a professional. It's a neutral third party. It's a neutral third party, and especially if you're dealing, you know, like if you've been in a long-term relationship or you're married, there there are a lot of other emotional factors that go in. You know, um, I think it's it's more prudent to hire a professional for that experience as opposed to trying to find this, you know, elusive unicorn off of Twitter. Yeah. And you know, like. I mean, people are going to be poly or monogamous or whatever, but but I think it's best to hire a professional in that context to explore the sexuality. Then, it, you know, at another point, if you want to try and, like, pick up someone together yeah. in a swingers club or whatnot. Or, fuck, there are communities out there. But we where... hire professionals for everything in life. Mm-hmm. We hire professionals to sell our real estate, to, you know, come and do our plumbing, hire a professional to cut your hair, why is it wrong to hire a professional to take care of one of the most basic needs <laughs> of the human condition? That is so well said. And it's, you know, there's there's not a real sane argument against it. It's like, well, it's because no. it's because it's dirty. It's raw. It's like, it's not. But it's it's not, though. It's it's a base part of being a human fucking being. Yeah. Yeah, and with all due respect, you know, like, as professional workers Mm -hmm. who are dedicated to our craft, the sex workers that I know take better care of their personal health Mm -hmm. than, frankly, a lot of, as we call them, civilians do. You know, like, like we go for regular STD testing. If you work in a massage parlor, you can't have a criminal record to operate. So you have to be above board socially, so to speak, right? You know, like we we have therapists that we talk to to deal with different emotional issues and process ex- experiences, etc. Um, you know, and I don't know a lot of civilians that are you know maybe as dedicated yeah. to guarding their personal health and safety. As you're not wrong. Sex professionals yeah, are. You're not fucking wrong about that. You can't argue with that either. Yeah. It's just I think you've given um, I think you've given people a lot to think about giving me a lot to think about i mean i'm already i'm already <laughs> pro sex work i'm i'm all about it i love that shit i think people should be doing whatever makes them happy um and if you know there's that saying if you're really good at something don't do it for free <laughs> that fucking thing that applies for fucking everything yeah um it was it was a lot of fun to have you on today i really appreciate you coming by yeah, it was awesome. uh i know that 
this has been a subject that everyone is curious about, but not a lot of people like to talk about. So it was good to have a guest on who is a sex worker who can give us this insights to the process, the way things works, maybe dissolve some of the stigma and um, give you guys some insight as to, you know, every everyone is the fucking same. Everyone yeah. is the same, but different. You know, like I, I heard, uh, I, I love Twitter sometimes. Like you really get some, some good ones off of there. Mm-hmm. And there was something that I heard not too long ago that um, was essentially, we all do sex work. Some of us run businesses and some of us run nonprofits. You know, so I think it, it's just accepting and being honest with yourself about your sexuality, about capitalism mm-hmm. and the way our society operates. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's an honesty and a simplicity in the transaction of having two people come together for a mutual experience. They're both benefiting. So what could really be wrong with that? That is that is very, very well said. Well, Ashley. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. I would love to have you on again. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's so much more we can talk about. <laughs> there's so there's much to talk so about. There's so much that we can talk about. We didn't even like touch the yeah. iceberg of OnlyFans. Tip of the iceberg. Strip club closure. Uh, this is like, we have to do a part two. We're going to have you back <laughs> real soon, I promise. I know that the audience is, is going to love you. So. Until next time, thank you all out there very much for joining us today on Chewing the Fat. I am Johnny, as you all know, and we will see you all next week.